Don't you love this weather? Tornadoes one day, snow the next. Man, we wonder why we're sick. I've really struggled this morning in that early service. You know, it's, I'm not, those of you that know me, you know I'm not a morning person. And I think, uh, reflecting back on what happened last night, I think I took a double dose of cough syrup before I went to bed. I was just a zombie in that early service this morning. And so uh, I need to apologize to them. But I think I've got it figured out now. And I'm glad you're here. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1 this morning. If you want to be finding that in your Bibles or on your phone or your uh, iPads or whatever you have. I'm excited to be starting a new series today that's going to take us into Easter. You excited about Easter? Man, it's always a great celebration for our church. We plan to uh, have Easter celebration services on Saturday and Sunday again this year to accommodate all the people that will visit. Our choir will have a, a special part in that. We'll kick all that off on Good Friday with an Easter egg hunt. We're going to hide a couple of eggs for our kids in our church and our community. Actually, we can't hide 30,000 eggs. We just kind of roll them out on the ground, and that's always a great time. But can I just tell you, we can't do it without you. Uh, we, we don't, uh, you know, I said this last week, we, we don't just want your help. We need your help in order to do that and hold that huge event for our community. So uh, we're going to be asking people to stuff eggs, buy eggs, buy candy, and, and help us with that. And you'll be hearing more about that. But I'm excited about this series that is going to kind of usher us into that uh, Easter celebration. It's going to be a series about hope. We just came out of a series, and if you missed it and weren't able to be here or missed a few weeks, you can always go to our website and, and listen and catch up. Uh, we have podcasts available and all that, and, and I can't even pretend to understand it all, but we have them. Uh, or you can order DVDs for free from the Welcome Center. But the last series we called The Good Life, and it was basically talking about how uh, living a life of faith. We were talking a lot about faith in that series and, and how living a life of faith is the good life. Well, we're going to kind of switch gears now, and we're going to be talking about hope. And, and, and as I was thinking about hope, I, I couldn't help but think about my gas gauge as I was thinking about hope. And, and, and you, those of you that are laughing, you know me, and you know that it requires a lot of hope for me personally uh, when it comes to interacting with, with my fuel gauge. But the majority of us each and every day, if we drive, you know, we have interaction with our fuel gauge. We're aware of the, the fuel gauge and, and what it reads and, and what it says. And, and the way that we view our fuel gauge, I believe, says a whole lot about our personalities, right? And I just want to give you some examples this morning. For example, some of you, when, the, when your fuel gauge gets kind of down past a half and, and starts getting to a quarter of a tank, uh, you know, you, you're looking for a gas station, right? Because, you know, you're getting low, it's below a half, and, you know, you, know, you probably ought to stop and, and, and get some gas. How many of you are like that? When it starts getting around there, a quarter of a tank, you're thinking about it. Yeah, I, I know you. I, I live with one just like you, Lynette. Uh, She's like that. Here's what I can tell you about people like this that start thinking they need to get gas when their gas gauge is at a quarter of a tank. Uh, you're not real big on taking risk, right? You're not. 
Uh, you're, you're probably actually not that much fun to be around. Uh, <laughs> you like to play it safe. Uh, you know, you're the people that, that wear the seatbelt when you're driving in the parking lot, right? That, that's, that's you. Now, now, others of us uh, here this morning, we, we let it get down to right about here, right? Before we start even thinking about you know, stopping to get gas or, or, or going to get gas. How many of you are wired more like this right here? Yeah, the fun people look. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that's me. That's what I'm talking about. You guys are a little bigger risk takers, aren't you? If you're around, we're having a party, right? And uh, those people that, uh, th- these pe- people that are wired like this, here's something else I think I know about you. Uh, you like to drive fast and take chances, right? And so you're a little more risky. And then there's a few of us psycho crazy people, and we wait till it gets down to about right there, right? <laughs> yeah, I see, I see that hand. I see those hands. You see it on the other side of E, and then you go, hmm, well, might want to stop. Might want to start looking for, for a gas station and and uh, some of us live on the edge like that. There's a song about you, uh, actually, that, that live like this. It's called Living on a Prayer, right? And uh, those of us who do that are definitely living on a lot of prayers. And um, something else I think I know about you folks like this is you are also probably the people that are annoyed that you can't figure out how to turn the seatbelt buzzer off, right? I, I figure that. I figure some of you are like that. Here's what else I think I know about you. You are probably married to someone who has to get gas at a quarter of a tank, right? Isn't that just how it works? I mean, you know, and you drive each other absolutely, absolutely crazy. This is who I used to be, right? But I, I have, I'm reformed. I'm reformed. I'm reformed now after Lynette said that I could never call her again stranded on the side of the road uh, out of gas. And so I'm now I'm more this, this kind of driver here, all right? I've, I'm kind of reformed and not quite so risky. So we all know what it's like to interact with, with the fuel gauge because we do it on a, on a daily basis. And, and here's, you know, what I, what I begin to think about. Hope in, in a lot of ways, in, in, in a lot of ways, to the human spirit is like fuel is to a car, okay? It, it, it's a lot like fuel is uh, to our automobiles. You've got to have hope to run, right? You, you've got to have hope to, to be able to look forward. You've got to have hope to have a- anticipation. You've got to have hope to move and to advance into what God has for uh, your life, and some of us, if we'll just be honest, and, and this is church, and so we talk about, you know, if you're, if you're going to be honest anywhere, this is where we need to be honest. But if you're honest, some of us are, are, are kind of like this when it comes to hope in our lives, and it's kind of, tank is empty, and, and we're, getting, we're getting close to E. And think about it, after this crazy and uh, insane election cycle uh, that we just went through over the past year or, or year and a half, you know, there's a lot of people that are running low on hope. You know, they don't have much hope in the system anymore, don't have much hope in the government, don't have much hope in, in, in leadership, and people are stressed out, and people are, are anxious. 
Because there's honestly just a lot of crazy stuff flying around every day, isn't there, on the news and and, and on the media. And, And not only that, not only the stress that's related with what we've just been through, but uh, there are some of you that are here today that have faced rejection in your life. At some point or some time, you faced rejection. Maybe it's something that you're going through right now. And you face so much rejection that you don't even know if you could ever, if you could ever find it in yourself to, to be able to love again. You, you don't know if you can even open that part of your heart and open that part of your life uh, life up again uh, to, to be vulnerable. Some of you, you face so much disappointment in your life that you're just exhausted. You don't even have it in you to, to fight anymore and, and to, to continue uh, down that path. Some of you are dealing with so much frustration in your life from whatever situation that it may may be, but you're dealing with so much frustration that you're not sure that you have it in the tank to keep going and, and to keep moving forward. And the dangerous thing about that is this, all right? The dangerous thing about that is when we get low on hope, when our hope gets close to empty, when the tank is about to run dry, then we are probably about at the worst place that we could possibly ever find ourselves emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And so over these next few weeks, we're going to talk about it. We're going to focus on it leading up to Easter. And I want us to look at this awesome book out of the New Testament called First Peter. And we're going to be looking at First Peter, and we're going to learn some great principles on how we can fill the tank back up with some hope and put some hope uh, in our lives. Or, does that sound good to you? All right, because I, I don't want to go on if you're not interested. All right? If you're not buying what I'm selling, let's just dismiss. Uh, but anyway, our, kind of our core thought, and, and I believe this is, this is so true, our, our, kind of our theme for this entire series is this, when you hope again you feel alive again, all right? When you can hope again, I believe with all my heart that you will feel alive again, right? And I believe that there are probably some people here today that would love to have a little more life flowing in and through their veins, right? I mean, who wouldn't want that? You want to have hope for the future, don't you? You want to have, uh, 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 you want to be able to anticipate things again. You want to be able to look forward to things again. You want to have your faith re-energized, right? And, and I believe that, that you want to look forward to what God's going to do in your life, right? I really believe that you want to look forward to what God's going to do in you and through you rather than just being paralyzed by having an empty tank, and, and not enough hope in your life. And hope can fire all that up again if we hang on to the right resources uh, to have that kind of hope in our life. And I believe Peter is going to point that out to us over the next few weeks. Because if you think about it, those of you that know Peter and have studied Peter, Peter uh, knew some things about hope, right? He, Peter also knew some things about hopelessness. Uh, if you think about it, Peter was an early follower of Jesus. He was part of the inner circle uh, of Jesus' disciples back then. And there was a time that Jesus got arrested. Remember that? 
And what did Peter do? Peter denied, Jesus predicted it, and Peter said, no, it never happened. You know, I'll, I'll die, I'll do whatever, I'll never deny you. And Jesus says, no, you will. And sure enough, Peter was approached, asked if he knew Jesus. He denied even knowing Jesus or having a relationship with him. And so don't you know he probably felt some hopelessness in his life? Don't you know that, that kind of drained him? He probably felt like his tank was pretty, pretty close to empty. I'm sure he felt some hopelessness about his character, about the, that failure of his past. And then what happens after that? Then he sees Jesus crucified on a cross, right? And I'm sure there was a lot of hopelessness after that moment, thinking Jesus was the Messiah and now he's dead. But the miracle that Peter experienced when Jesus rose from the dead, <laughs> that'll fill your tank again, right? Don't you know that filled him again uh, with hope? It reinstated hope uh, in his own life. And I believe that God wants to do the same thing in some of our lives today. I believe he wants to fill our tank again with some hope. And so I want you to take the gas cap off this morning and be willing to allow him to do that in your life today and in the weeks ahead as we approach our Easter celebration. And so Peter writes this letter called 1 Peter to a group of Christians that are a lot like us. A lot of them had found the tank was about empty. They were running low on hope. And so he writes this letter to give them some hope and when their hope may have been running low. So let's start in verse 2 this morning. Peter writes this. He says, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago. All right, now that's huge. I want you to think about that this morning. God knew you. God chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Now, there's a lot, uh, a lot of things here this morning, but the, the, what I want to focus on today is this. God knew you. And God chose you. All right? Think about it. God fully knew you. He knew your past. He knew your failures. He knew your mistakes. He knew your little quirks. He knew thoughts that no one else ever knew that you thought. He knew the things that nobody else knows. He knows all of that. And listen, God knew you and he chose you anyway. <laughs> he knows you inside and out. And yet he chose you. <laughs> he chose me. That's even crazier. I'm looking at some of you and thinking, well, I could see that. But some of you I'm thinking, I don't know. <clears throat> He chose you. Don't, don't miss that. One of the first principles I believe Peter wants to teach us today to remind us that there's always hope. If you want to have hope again, here's what we got to do. We've got to reject our rejection. All right, we've got to reject our rejection. None of us like to feel rejection, do we? I remember one of the first times that I experienced rejection in my life. 
And I've experienced a lot, <laughs> you know, but I remember the first time was the, probably one of the most devastating elementary school. Remember what you did when you wanted a girlfriend or boyfriend in elementary school? You wrote a little note. Will you go with me? Yes or no? Circle one. You get the note back. Ain't nothing circled. And it says at the bottom, I just want to be friends. I learned in elementary school, folks, what the friend zone was. <laughs> Been scarred ever since. <clears throat> None of us like to be rejected, do we? It hurts. Sometimes it hurts bad, especially in relationships when we feel we're being rejected by someone that loves us or someone that's close to us. And when you're the one that's been rejected, you feel that rejection to the core of your being. Right? It hurts, and it hurts deeply, and we carry that with us for a long time. And sometimes we explain that rejection. I've, I've heard people explain it like it feels like they have been hit in the gut. Or, or it feels like that their heart is actually broken. Right? And in fact, research shows that uh, emotional rejection affects us neuro... neuro I, I couldn't say it. I said neurotic in the first service. <clears throat> That's how bad that one got. Yeah, it went phew, that, from there. But em <laughs> emotional rejection affects us in the brain <laughs> neurologically, all right, in much the same way that physical pain does. Uh, doctors have proven that, that there's, you know, you know there, there's a lot of similarities there. And because of that, when you remember certain rejections in your life, when you recall those and you remember those, it causes you to feel that pain all over again in a similar way that you felt when the rejection happened to begin with, right? It's similar to that. This week, uh, how many of you got woke up? What, what morning was it? Two o'clock in the morning and all the phones went, ah! Just crazy. Everything went crazy, and and uh, my wife was she she wasn't waking up. It was just like you know I'm getting up, I'm flipping lights on. She's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "Well, every phone in the house is going, rah, rah, you know, and something's going on." So I'm getting up, I'm checking things out, turn on the TV. Uh, man, Todd, you Kobe, and he gets way too excited about this stuff. But anyway, I turn him on. And, so flipping through, and I told Lanassa, you know, you might want to at least put a robe on because they say a tornado's coming right toward us. It's at Morton now. So I'm getting up, getting around. I go to the garage, flip the light on. We've got a safe room out in our garage, and so I flip the light on, go to the garage, make sure we have a path uh, because we're in the process. We had one college student that graduated and is about to get married, and so another one that's about to graduate. And our garage is just like the, you store it place and so i'm like so we need a path to the deal make sure we have a path i go in the uh safe room which uh, i don't know how many of you have safe rooms but basically those turn into great storage rooms and so i had to empty the safe room out so you know in case neighbors wanted to come kent and melissa i'm sorry if you're here we didn't call you and tell you but anyway but uh cleaning the safe room out 
doing all these things. I'm coming out. I shut the door, which safe room has this big steel heavy door, right? I close the door behind me coming out, and I slam it on, my, on two of my fingers on the way out. Two o'clock in the morning, tornado coming. I've slammed a steel door on my fingers, and the holier-than-thou preacher I am, I just said, praise you, Jesus. And uh, we have no video surveillance in my garage, so just thank God for good days. And, and uh, but... <laughs> But you know, when I think about it, it hurt really bad. Let me tell you something. You slam a steel door on your finger, you'll think, say things that, you know, anyway, it hurt bad. But you know, when I think back on it, I can remember how bad it hurt, but I don't feel it. You know, I don't feel that pain again. But, but research shows us that emotional rejection, and many of us have experienced this, when we think back to it again, it hurts. You know, it hurts all over again. It hurts maybe even as bad as it did when it originally uh, took place. And we relive it again and we carry it with us, right? And, and that's why when you're in the middle of that emotional rejection and pain in your life, it just drains us of hope, right? It drains us not only of, of energy and everything else, but it drains us uh, of our hope. And if your thoughts are, are focused on rejection, right? And, and, and pain, it's having an effect on our soul. It's having an effect on our spirit. It's affecting our faith and, and draining our tank dry of hope. Another thing about rejection is, is this. When we experience rejection, a lot of us have a tendency to withdraw, right? When we experience rejection in our life, uh, a lot of us have a tendency to isolate ourselves or maybe even run, you know? So, some of us might, might be runners, but, but another thing that happens is we begin to lose trust in people, and we put up this shield, we put up this barrier, because you know what? I'm not going to let anyone else get close enough to that spot of my heart again to be able to do this to me again. And so we put up these walls and we put up these barriers, right? Because we've been rejected and we've been hurt and we still feel that and we still carry that. But don't miss this. What is the opposite of being rejected? Being chosen, right? The opposite of being rejected is being chosen. And I believe that's why Peter jumps out here right off the bat to this group of people who are running low on hope, and he says, look, don't give in, all right? Don't give up. You're not out of gas. This thing is not over, right? Why? Because God knew you, and he chose you, right? And you are loved by him. And no matter who else may have rejected you, no matter who else may have stomped the guts out of your, you know, insides and your emotions, no matter who else may have done that to you, God hasn't rejected you. God chose you. He didn't reject you. He chose you. And look at what else he says. And he just kind of goes off. And, and, and I love this about Peter. He barely, he's barely two sentences into this letter. And Peter just has a moment, right? If he was speaking this to us, we would say he's preaching now. Okay? Look at verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. 
And some translations say that we have been born again into a living hope. That's a hope, folks, that is not dead. It will not die. It is a living hope. There is always hope because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. There's always hope. Now we live with great expectation. We live with hope. We can look forward. There's this great expectation. Verse 4 says, and we have a priceless inheritance. All right, don't forget that. You think you have no hope? We have a priceless inheritance. He's preaching now, isn't he? An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, and it is pure, and it is undefiled beyond the reach of change or decay. Peter says today, we have a hope, all right? And an expectation, don't miss this, that is out of reach of change or decay. All right? Listen now. Our hope is beyond the reach of politics. Our hope is beyond the reach of an election. Our hope is beyond the reach of the stock market. Our hope is beyond the reach of your monthly bills. Our hope is beyond the reach of past family problems and rejection. We have a hope that is beyond the reach of change and decay. And that's good news. That's good news. Peter says, look, you're not rejected. You're not rejected. You're chosen by his great mercy into a living hope. I just want you to think about that today. You are chosen. The God of the universe chose you in Christ. So you know what that means? You're chosen for joy. You're chosen for peace. You're chosen for forgiveness. You're chosen for mercy. You're, you're chosen for God's favor in your life. You're chosen for a hope and a future. And listen, nobody can take that away from you because it's God himself who's done it. <laughs> and no one can take that from you, and that's great news. And when you hang on to that, right, when you hang on to that, no matter how hopeless things may seem, no matter what the circumstances may be, no matter how challenging it gets, no matter how challenging it may be for you today, there is always hope because God chose you. And can I just tell you, when you feel hope again, you will feel alive again. So we must reject that rejection because, listen to me now, rejection is not the final story. <laughs> the second principle that we see here is this. We have to see God in our hardships. We have to see God's hand in our hardships. And here's one thing I know. When we're going through something difficult and we're going through some hard circumstances and we're running low on hope, sometimes it may seem to us that God is distant. 
when we're running low on hope, sometimes we may feel like God doesn't care. You know, a lot of people think today that the presence of pain in our lives equates to the absence of God in our lives. We feel like he isn't present. We feel like he isn't moving. We feel like he isn't working in our lives. Maybe he's upset with us for something that we've done. Another thing that might happen when we're low on hope is that we might think that our situation is permanent, that our pain is permanent, that this is never going to end. It's never going to get any better. There's not a light at the end of the tunnel, right? But some of you need to remember that saying that we heard from some very wise people that came before us. One in particular, I remember saying this to me many times, Judy O'Quinn, this too will pass. This too will pass. This isn't the whole story. This too will pass. But when you're hurting, when you're in the middle of it, sometimes you can't see that. And it feels like it's never going to end. And you're just destined to be this way for the rest of your life. But listen to what Peter says on down in verse number 6. He's preaching. And he says, so be truly glad. And remember, he's writing this letter to some people who are hurting. Right? He's, he's writing to some people who are wrestling with hope, and he says, be truly glad. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? And don't you know the people that received this letter thought, Peter, you're on the crack. You know, what's up? Be truly glad, period. And then he says this. He goes on, and he says, listen. There is wonderful joy ahead, right? Even though you must endure trials for a little while. For a little while. We're coming back to that. For a little while. Verse 7. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So Peter says that our hardships, our trouble, our bad circumstances and situations is kind of like the refining of gold. And the only way to purify gold is to heat it up. And the hotter it gets, the gooder it gets, right? The hotter it gets, the more pure that it becomes. And Lynette, I know that's not proper grammar, so I did that on purpose this time, right? <clears throat> My wife, the uh, grammar Nazi that I live with. But Peter says, just like heat, purifies that gold and makes it gooder, <laughs> right? God doesn't allow that heat that we face 
He doesn't allow that heat of our hardships and difficult times, he doesn't allow that to be wasted. But instead, he uses that to make us better. Instead, he uses that, Peter says, in our lives to purify us. In the hardships and the bad times, God has not abandoned you. He's still moving. He's still working. And he's going to make you better than you were before the heat ever got turned up to begin with. Right? He uses those trials to purify you, to make you into the best you that you can possibly be. Right? He's purifying you. In the middle of that, in the midst of that hardship, so that you can trust him. And and listen, I know when you're running out of gas and the tank is almost empty and it looks hopeless, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. It's hard to trust him. Because no, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Right? We, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's around the corner at work. We don't know what's around the corner at school tomorrow. We don't know what's around the corner with our health. But here's what we do know. We know who God is. We know who God has revealed himself to be, not only in and through his word, but what we've seen him do in the past in our lives. And we know who God is. We know that God is good. We know that God is kind and compassionate and strong and he's able and he's present in our lives. We know that. And so here's what we've got to do. We've got to hang on to who he is. We've got to hang on to who God is. And Peter says, just hang on. Just hang on because, oh, by the way, it's only for a little while. (laughs) It's only going to be for a little while. And some of you may need to go home and write that on your bathroom mirror. Only for a little while, right? It's only a little while. In a little while. Some of you may be struggling right now and you don't know what's about to happen. And yes, it can feel hopeless. I talk to people all the time that feel hopeless and have lost hope and their tank is on empty. But in a little while, in a little while, God is going to move. In a little while, I'm about to preach. I don't know what y'all are going to do. All right? In a little while, God is going to work. In a little while, you're going to experience freedom. In a little while, you're going to experience joy in your life again. God's not done. This too will pass in a little while, right? I worked up a sweat. I don't normally preach like that, do I? But right now, all right, he's going to refine you until he provides for you. He purifies us in our suffering and our pain. But he does not abandon us in our suffering and our pain. And in a little while, he's going to prove that to you. There's always hope. Hang on to hope. Because when you hope again, you'll start to feel alive again. So see God's hand in the hardships. And then the third thing this morning is we've got to lean on ultimate hope. We've got to lean on ultimate hope because, listen, here's the deal. We've got a lot of hopes in our lives. 
We have a lot, lot of, of different hopes in our lives, financially, personally, relationship hopes, bucket list kinds of hopes, right? Hopes to uh, go to certain places, to see certain things, to do certain things, and those are fine. Don't, don't get me wrong. But ultimate hope, right, ultimate hope is what we fill our tank up with when we're struggling, all right? Ultimate hope is not based on the circumstances around us. It's based on God and who he has revealed himself to be. And again, who is God? Well, God is loving. God is able. God is for us. And if God is for us, who could be against us, right? God is a loving father. He's a healer. He's awesome in power. And there is nothing that our God cannot do. That's your ultimate hope today, friends. Stand on that. That's our ultimate hope. But honestly, we place our hope in a lot of different things. But it's only in the ultimate hope that will sustain us <laughs> and get us through. It's ultimate hope that reminds us that God goes before you. In ultimate hope, we know that God goes before you. He goes behind you and he's beside you. <laughs> he's got your back and he's got your front and he's got the ground beneath you and he's got the heaven above you. And God's got your past, and he's got your present, and he's got your future, and he isn't finished. And you got to hold on to that. <laughs> you got to hold on to that ultimate hope. Listen to me. There is always hope. There is always hope. And when you start to feel hope again, you're going to feel alive again in your life. And I don't know where your hope gauge is at right now in your life. Maybe you walked in here today and your, your tank was almost empty. And I believe with all my heart today that if you will reject rejection, all right, if you will reject rejection and realize that God has chosen you, he chose you in Christ. He loves you and he chose you. I believe with all my heart today that'll fill you with hope. All right? If you'll just look around and realize that God is at work even in the hardships and that he hasn't abandoned you and he hasn't left you and he has a purpose even when we can't see it and we can't understand it. Let that fill you with hope today. Lean on that ultimate hope because I'm going to tell you, ultimate hope is bigger than anything that is standing right in front of you right now. The ultimate hope is bigger than any problem, any situation, any relationship in your life. So stand on the, that ultimate hope. Hang on to it for dear life. Because listen, when you can hope again, you will feel alive again. And there is always hope. Let me pray for you.
God, I just want to thank you today for your powerful presence. Thank you today for this beautiful reminder through your word that there is always hope. And I just pray today that you would take this message and allow your Holy Spirit to work. That we would allow your Holy Spirit to fuel us up again. To fill our tank again with the hope that we have in you. And I pray for those who walked in here today and, and their tank was almost empty. Maybe there's been some rejection in their past. Maybe there's some rejection uh, in their lives right now. And, and they're carrying that rejection. Maybe some have carried that pain and that rejection for, for many, many miles. Thank you for the reminder today that you haven't rejected them. You chose them. Fill them with a hope today that can only come from you and through you. Thank you for that wonderful reminder that, that whatever it is that we may find ourselves in today, whatever the situation may be, whatever the hardship may be, whatever it may be, God, thank you for that reminder today that it's only for a little while. Just a little while. And you are present and you are doing a work in our lives to make us what you intended for each and every one of us to be. And I just want to thank you again for what you're doing here today, what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in our families, what you're doing in our church. And I thank you and I praise you that someone who walked in here on empty today is leaving here full again, full of hope and alive in Christ uh, again. And we love you so much for doing that for us. We love you so much for loving us and caring for us and choosing us. <laughs> now, as we leave here, I pray that we would choose you in every decision and every step that we take. May we reflect who we're walking with and reflect the love of our Savior. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. God bless you all. I love you. Hope you have.